1: What a shot, first OHL goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Medard has arrived here at the branch center, Is first in the Western
3: Hockey League.
4: NCAA.
3: Stay, watch out, watch out! UMass are national champions.
0: The NHL Draft. I am Spash and Kosa. This is Dylan Gunther of the MSN Kings.
2: This is William Mack from ULarn here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark.
0: Hi, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. This is Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Mooseheads. Hey, it's Stones of the 2 Falls stampede. This is Paul-Bianne I play for Lulio. Hey, it's Colson
2: Coleman from Brex Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Camel Blazers. This is Wolfis from Lulio Hockey. And more. Bring it! This
1: is The Pipeline Show. This is it. It's the final weekend of the WHL and the OHL regular seasons. The AJHL has their final set. The USHL wraps up in a couple of weeks. College hockey is already done. Welcome to the Pipeline Show, everybody. Gee, Flaming with you. Great to speak with you once again. Thanks for uh, downloading this week's episode. If you're a newcomer to the show and this is the first time you've ever heard the Pipeline Show, hit me up on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. And tell me why you downloaded this week's episode and where you're listening from, how you found out about the show. In fact, all of you regular listeners, you could do that for me as well. I'm always interested in knowing where the audience is coming from. The program brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky because you can't win friends with salad. Go to wilhockbeefjerky.com. Wilhock, spelled W-I-L-H-A-U-K two locations in Alberta, one in Leduc, one in Spruce Grove, but they will ship any order anywhere any size in western Canada. You can get it uh, vacuum sealed and fresh on delivery to you. Go to willhawkbeefjerky.com. Big weekend. Let's uh, start with the let's start with the AJHL playoffs. How about that? Uh, as everyone pretty much expected, it's going to be Brooks against Spruce Grove. Two teams have gone undefeated in the playoffs. It's a head-to-head collision. Now, Brooks has been the number one ranked team in the entire country pretty much all season. I think you go back to October, November when they first stepped into the number one spot uh, and they have not relinquished that at all. So they would have to be the the prohibitive favorites going into this series, but Spruce Grove will give them a run for it. Should be an entertaining series, but somewhat of a delayed start to this series. It doesn't begin until Friday, April 29th. That's basically two weeks from now. Uh, so if anybody had any bumps and bruises, both teams should be pretty much uh, healthy uh, to get ready for that uh, best-of-seven series, and that should make for some uh, some good hockey. Meanwhile, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League still has a couple weeks to go, so uh, we won't uh, update uh, the playoff races there just yet because there's still lots to be determined. Now, in the Western Hockey League, it all comes down to this weekend. Most teams have a couple of games left to go. There are a couple teams who only have one game And there's uh, the Regina Pats who have three games still to play. But when it comes to the hunt for the playoffs, this is exciting. Vancouver, Spokane, Prince George, and Victoria. Three of them will get into the playoffs. One of them will not. Right now, the teams are separated by all of two points. Vancouver with 52. Spokane and Prince George tied with 51. And Victoria has 50. Both games for Victoria are against Spokane. And they are both in Victoria. So if home ice advantage means anything, maybe Victoria can use that to win at least one game. And that would put pressure. That would vault them ahead of Spokane and Prince George by one point. The Prince George Cougars have a tough weekend. They've got two games they play against Kelowna and Kamloops. The Vancouver Giants also playing against Kelowna and Kamloops. So both of those teams could actually lose their final two games, and if that were to happen, Vancouver would still get in because they have currently a one-point lead on Prince George right now. It's all going to come down to the last couple of games here, and that is super exciting. In the Eastern Conference, Swift Currents in the driver's seat. They've only got one game left to go, but if they win it, it's uh, on Friday against the Prince Albert Raiders. That win would eliminate Calgary. It would also eliminate Prince Albert. And only the Regina Pats would be able to catch them. But Regina would have to win all three of their remaining games. They play Winnipeg, the first place team in the league. They play them twice, as well as uh, the Moose Jaw Warriors. So it's not looking good for Regina. So Swift Current, pretty much all they have to do is win on Friday against the Prince Albert Raiders. It's really setting up a potential for a uh, a one-game playoff, a tiebreaker to get into the playoffs. And if that were to happen, that doesn't occur until Tuesday. So even though this is the final weekend of the regular season, it might drag out even a couple more days to Tuesday. The playoffs start next weekend. In fact, Thursday night, the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, start things off against the Lethbridge Hurricanes. That would be on the 21st. Uh, Not quite as exciting in the OHL, uh, but it is coming right down to the wire for a couple of teams. It'll either be Sarnia or Erie that get into the playoffs. Two games left to go. One point separating Sarnia and Erie right now. Erie plays Windsor. Sarnia plays Saginaw. That is a much more difficult uh, scenario for Erie, as the Windsor Spitfires are in top spot in the Western Conference, whereas Saginaw is in last place. So looking good there for Sarnia. Both of those games are on Friday. Meanwhile, in the USHL, they're playing a 62-game schedule this year. I th- I was, I'm was, i used to it being a 60-game schedule. I'm really sure that's how it's always been. Uh, but that means there's games this weekend and next weekend. Uh, pretty much every... Well, there's not a whole lot left to be decided. The Western Conference, we know the six teams that will be into the playoffs. A little bit of uh, determination with seeding to figure out. But we know Des Moines and Sioux Falls are not going to be participating. In the Eastern Conference, uh, Chicago and Dubuque and Muskegon have uh, locked themselves in. Youngstown is probably a win, maybe a win and a half, away from doing it. Uh, Madison, Cedar Rapids, and Team USA are really the three teams fighting it out for the final two spots in the playoffs in the USHL. Now, college hockey is done because Denver won it last weekend. The Frozen Four wrapped up a 5-1 uh, victory. I don't think anybody expected that... Uh, It would be a lopsided score like that. Any of the four teams that were in Boston could have come away with it. Uh, It ends up being Denver, but I don't think anybody predicted that it would be 5-1. It was 1-0 for Minnesota State going into the third period with the Pioneers scoring five unanswered goals in the third to pull away. The bigger news over the last three or four days for college hockey is uh, Jerry York has decided to retire. The longtime head coach in the NCAA, he coached for... Three programs, Clarkson, Bowling Green, and, of course, Boston College, where he's been for the last 28 years. Uh, But that guy has been coaching Division I college hockey since uh, before I was born. I'm 51, so five decades he's been on the bench. And uh, most of that, I think since 1972, uh, he has been a head coach. So incredible career. Um, And uh, an end of an era might be underselling it there. Danton Cole is out at Michigan State. He's been fired. Frank Saratori gets a new deal with Air Force. Uh, Robert Morris, we know that program was coming back, and they are confirmed to be returning to Atlantic Hockey. Those are just some of the headlines that you can see at collegehockeynews.com. USCHO.com also has a bunch of stories as well. But I want to get to this uh, show that I have lined up for you this week. All my guests that you're going to hear from, they all join me courtesy the Troubled Monk hotline. You go to troubledmonk.com shop, where you can find all the uh, beverages that you can order online. You can order them online, and then you can go and pick them up at your convenience. Three places, in Red Deer, at the Troubled Monk Tap Room in Edmonton, at the Bountiful Farmer's Market, and in Calgary, at the Calgary Farmer's Market. And on the website, you'll see uh, some of the favorites, like the Juicy Gossip IPA, the Daycation Lager. If you like the Hard iced Teas, they've got that, obviously. The, uh, the Mount Rushmore, that's in their uh, Taster's Pack. That includes the Pesky Pig, the Golden Gates, the Bucktooth Belgian White, and the Open Road American Brown Ale. Just seeing a note that the Rebels Red is now out of stock. Sorry, folks. But you got a wide assortment of uh, spirits to choose from as well. Vodka, gin, and a variety of uh, soda beverages uh, to go along with it all. And one of the newest seasonals that they have to offer, they call it Ride for Dad. Proceeds from the Ride for Dad going to help fund prostate cancer research and raising awareness about the disease across Canada. So good on Troubled Monk for their charity work. All right, here are the four guests that I have lined up for this week's episode. We're going to start it off with an NCAA campus report. We're going to the newest campus that's uh, joining Division I hockey this coming fall, as we're officially into the offseason, quote-unquote offseason. Rick Zombo is the head coach at Lindenwood University. The Lindenwood Lions begin play in Division I hockey this coming season for 2022-23, So we'll get to know the coach. We'll also get to know his program a bit and uh, what is laying in store for him over the next several months. Uh, Rick Zombo will lead off the show. Then we will have a pair of 2022 draft spotlight segments. Uh, For that, we're going to start in the queue with the Gatineau Olympique and big defenseman Noah Warren, who caught a lot of eyes at the CHL top prospect game. We'll get to know him better. And then we'll shift gears, go out to Vancouver Island, where the Victoria Royals And Braden Sherman are getting set for a uh, crucial weekend coming up. And we will end things off with Ellen Miller, the Director of Player Personnel for Hockey Canada with the U18 squad. The World U18 is coming up here in uh, like 10 days. Canada just named their uh, bench staff. So we know who's coaching the team. We don't have a single player yet uh, on a roster. Uh, Maybe unofficially, we could probably uh, pinpoint a, a few players. I mean, we can look and we can see, all right, the Okotoks Oilers, for example, are now done for the season. Regular ends, probably on that team. Uh, we can look and see the Sudbury Wolves are no longer eligible for the playoffs. That means David Goyette, probably on that team. But there are a lot of clubs who are still uh, trying to make their respective uh, playoffs. Hockey Canada won't know until Sunday night. Maybe, like I said, with the tiebreaker potentials, it uh, might be a Tuesday by the time they can actually finalize their team. And then they're playing in Germany starting on April 23rd. So a quick turnaround. I know, uh, in fact, some of the uh, personnel for Team Canada, they're going to be leaving this weekend to go over, including some players, but it might only be like five or six players, and then the, other, the rest of the club will join them. So uh, let's uh, talk to Alan Miller and see exactly how challenging this situation is uh, for Hockey Canada right now. Uh, but we'll start... With Lindenwood University, Rick Zombo, the head coach, let's get to know the Lindenwood Lions next, here on the Pipeline Show, fueled by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Yorkstrand hustles
3: after it. Gabrikov off the point. Sillinger is first in the National Hockey League.
0: Hey, it's Cole Sillinger, the 2 false stand beef,
4: and this is the Pipeline Show.
3: Development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a ninety percent rate. NHLers Kyle Turris,
1: wow, what a goal. and
3: Duncan Keith, scores! and future NHLers Tyson Jost and Dante Fabro all took the campus route. Whether you are a fan
0: or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world.
3: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee
1: Flaming. Uh, second only. Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Uh, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Yeah, that's Alberta's best beef jerky, but this is a college hockey segment. Uh, so we're uh, doing this for our the fine folks at College Hockey, Inc. Uh, Mike Snee uh, will uh, answer any questions you might have if you are a player or if you have one in your family. There are things you need to know that you can and can't do that could affect your eligibility. So get in contact with Mike. At College Hockey Inc., and they'll answer any questions that you might have. Uh, their uh, website is a great resource, too collegehockeyinc.com. All right, my guest uh, this week uh, well, big news in college hockey circles. Now that the Frozen Four is done, we've got a national champion crowned. We can already start looking ahead to next season, and I guess the big news for next season is a new program, and that's uh, just outside of uh, St. Louis, Lindenwood University, uh, joining Division I NCAA next year, and the head coach uh, from uh from Lindenwood I was going to ask you what's the, what's the team called Rick Zombo is my guest Rick uh, welcome to the program uh how are things in the around Lindenwood I imagine things are uh, everybody's pretty excited
4: Yeah there's a lot going on in athletics at Lindenwood University our mascot is the Lions Okay so it's the Lindenwood Lions there's men's hockey going to division 1 uh but also 17 other University sports are going to Division One, So this has all come down in the past two months. So there's a tremendous amount of moving parts uh, as far as uh, coaches running in different directions and also support staff and administration running in different directions. So yeah. there's, there's a lot of athletics and in, in good talk. But I just take care of the hockey side.
1: How long does this uh, – I mean, it sounds like it's I've been – we've been hearing rumors about, oh, Woods going to announce – I think COVID really kind of delayed everything, didn't it?
4: It did. It did. So the, the backstory is so our women's program is NCAA Division One. That started seven years ago. Okay. At that time, there was a three-year mandatory hiatus put on the men's program, which is imposed by the NCAA to make certain that everything was up to snuff for their qualifications. At that time, myself and my assistant coach Mark Abney built our program along those compliances and also internal guts when it comes to recruiting and in-game prep and and video and everything so we've been running that program here at Lindenwood and it's been very successful for us at that time we had a different president a different athletic director than we have now so it never got off the ground we have a president now that uh currently that this is his third year uh and an athletic director that said this is the right time and the right place for men's hockey to go division one so uh, you probably heard about it maybe a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. That's when it came out, and uh, that was leaked out. That was uh, in a coaches meeting on campus with uh, just athletic coaches in front of the athletic director. The athletic director presented it. From there, he come over to the rink and told us that we could start putting our schedules together, start recruiting, and uh, we like what we see and we have the right people in place. That was a year and a half ago. That's when COVID comes in. So everything got delayed along many, many fronts.
1: Were you able, knowing that basically as soon as COVID's over or kind of under control, it's going to happen eventually, did that allow you to start getting a lot of the, uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, all that work done so that you don't have to start doing that now as you try to get the se- everything in place for the, the coming season in the fall?
4: Well, you know, as coaches, you always want to have a plan for the day or, per, or for the week, obviously for the full year you have a full year to put together the guts and the foundation, and there's a lot of moving parts. Unfortunately, during the season, I also had a team here to coach and represent the players and also win a national title, which we've been successful on. Yes, With that becomes the, the major uh, requirement of doing donations and fund drives, because it's very important that your bottom line um, does not bleed, or if it does bleed, it's not profusely. So the donation drive was, was something that uh, being a, a person from St. Louis, at least I've made my home here since uh, 91, um, and I used to play in the NHL, I have relationships, maybe not best friends, but acquaintances that have the capacity for the donations to, to, uh, to run a program. I've been primarily outside the rink. Uh, let's call it socializing. So, All right. Uh, socializing is uh, what I've been doing, which which actually becomes extremely taxing to me um, because my juice and my energy uh, is all inside the rink when I'm around college hockey players.
1: Rick Zombo is my guest. He's the head coach at Lindenwood University with the Lions, a former member of the University of North Dakota. It would have been the Fighting Sioux back then, and then a uh, long NHL career with Detroit, St. Louis, uh, ended it off with uh, Boston, and uh, one season in the IHL with uh, the Phoenix Roadrunners. Uh, in a normal season, Coach, you start recruiting for next year's roster, how early? Like, Would you be throughout the you know, the current season when you're looking a year ahead to try to get players? And has that been different this year? Because I don't know if you've been able to recruit players and say, well, next year we're going to be Division One. Are you allowed to do that?
4: Uh, I'll start from the beginning. My philosophy in any college sport, 70% of uh, success is in recruiting. Recruiting to me is identifying and also committing Players that I want to coach. So, Mm -hmm. recruiting is sales. It's nice to have a wish list or or go on a shopping spree with somebody else's money, but not unless you get a commit. And then there's two sides to a commit. The player has to be uh, excited and also want to attend Lindywood University, as does myself want to coach that player. So, commit is really important. Identifying players goes on nonstop. So, I've been fortunate for the past seven years, I've got five volunteer coaches that watch a ton of games we develop a database we we reference a database but it's it's about uh relationships and building relationships uh to make certain that uh when a coach does uh, assist a player or recommend a player they know exactly where they're going and they're going to be in good hands that's vitally important to us uh that type of recruiting when it comes to recruiting uh we start building a, a database on players that database uh, now has ventured all the way down to the 04 birth year, which is a substantial uh, amount of time put in on players, just not cut and paste off, off a website. It's right. actually watching teams, watching players uh, get referred uh, to players, and and really constantly updating our files on players because you never know. That's actually paying off for us now because this has been going on for six years where – to have a, a backstory on players you know now it, there's an abundance of representatives agents uh pushing players coaches pushing players uh bridge club mommies pushing players uh i've got a tremendous amount of friends that uh reach out to myself through my phone and it, it becomes cumbersome in that uh my personality is to give everybody the, the best treatment and respect but also I, there's a lot of filtering going on so, right uh, I always have my coaches next to me as far as assisting when I carry on a conversation, we could backtrack, if not pull up on film. At least we're knowing the player that we're talking about. Um, but recruiting is everything for me. So what what had happened is, unfortunately, uh, we didn't get rubber stamped this year until the day of our national tournament yep. by the president. I think one of the fine qualities of any leader is to make certain that you do your due, due diligence and patience. So. Uh, I'm going to say as a positive trait that he's waited so long. It definitely pushes us back, uh, pushes us back in recruiting. However, if, if you respect the fact that we're not going to get blue chip players right off the bat anyway, you know, it's easy to identify the best, best players on a rink. It's most important to recruit and commit players that I'm going to want to coach. Right. So, uh, that takes an awful lot of time, which uh, makes for a successful team. And it's been successful for me. Uh, at the previous levels that I've coached.
1: Well, if at any point you, during that recruiting process, it, it becomes sort of a sales pitch, you know, selling the program, selling yourself uh, uh, and what you can provide players and, you know, the university, the environment is now an added thing. And we're also division one. Like I'm going to use Aiden Yakomchuk, who's from our neck of the woods up here in the Edmonton area, uh, as an example. When you were recruiting him and he, this, this was his rookie season. I'm not sure when you actually, first reached out and talked to him but at that point would you have been able to say you know our plan is here in the next year or two to be division one and you would be a part of that are you allowed to do that until it's official that you are going division one
4: well that that's the draw that that's the attractiveness we're we're fortunate enough to have a file on aid and even during the uh, covid year you know unfortunately we had spent a tremendous amount of time in alberta watching the AJ mm-hmm. and for them, not the player, they played a, uh, I don't know, a dozen games, 15, yeah. whatever they did. Thank goodness, you know, we had a book previously on them. Then it's a matter of um, integrity, respect, uh, name dropping. Uh, I, I feel that I carry myself fairly well, but you'd be amazed at the support that the NHL Alumni Association mm-hmm. and members of that helped individual players out in need so when you talk about a good eye for hockey players you call an NHL player
1: well you got Colton Pareko right there playing for the Blues he's an AJHL guy as well and from our neck of the woods he can always put a good word out for it although he's a little busy these days I'm sure um, <laughs> when I'm looking at well, your we're roster finally winning now. yeah that's right but when I look at your roster you've got six or seven Canadians uh, so uh, recruiting north of the border will that be a priority for you as you try to
4: flush out this roster uh, moving forward It it always is. There's something about a Canadian player that understands the moments of the game and how to get around the game. You know, when you're playing a college schedule and you practice Monday to Thursday, anybody can skate the drills and and look phenomenal, but to actually be able to finish and understand the moments and recognize why they're on the ice, uh, that that comes with being immersed in, in the hockey world. So I feel that there is an advantage when it comes to, uh, that quality of a player, uh, but it doesn't mean I won't cross borders in the South and maybe I might find a Mexican player, (laughs) right? So nationality does not really matter to me. Uh, I do have a, a, a preference of the player that I want to recruit. Uh, I like to play a pro game. i like to have players that have a purpose that have the potential to earn a paycheck. I think it's one of the greatest jobs in the world, but the hardest to attain. I think it's the most exciting way to coach as far as a college coach goes, and all players like to play that way. So um, when it comes to somebody with upside pro potential, there's not a player that say that they wouldn't want to, but they don't understand what they watch on YouTube and, and highlights after uh, goals in the NHL. They don't see what goes on in the work that goes on behind the scenes. And uh, we're fortunate at the college level that there's a tremendous amount of time in the development through practice, when you're playing a limited schedule compared to juniors, you do develop. So games are something about games. Yes, we don't play enough games at the college level, but also on the development side, uh, it, it's immense. And, and I think it shows when it comes to the abundance of uh, college play, players playing in the NHL now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed completely.
1: How many of your current roster the guys who are playing for your club team will carry on moving forward. Everybody who's eligible to come back, or do you have to ch- make some changes? <laughs>
4: yeah, well, at, at exit meetings, and it, it, it's the harsh part of the business, see, uh, they have a spot that they've earned. There's a tradition that they've built. They understand how things are run here, but you got to make certain that you don't sleep at the wheel. you got to come back and earn and retain your spot. Right. Not only that, you become the governor as far as, which direction and how fast this program runs. So if you fall asleep, you lose your spot. Even though that you have a history here, I mean, it's tough, but it it is also uh, the truth of the matter. There are a lot of hockey players, a lot of really good hockey players that are out there. uh, that are just chomping at the bit for an opportunity. And that word opportunity is a key word when it comes to recruiting. Um, I've got nine players, nine freshmen here, that were substantial. The idea of bringing them in was going to be the foundation. They're the foundation. Uh, it, it's impossible. Like We had five exhibition games scheduled this fall. We only got to play three, mm-hmm. but to, to, to run a program with uh, a bunch of young kids. I know they're young adults, but when you're talking about 19, 20, 21, those, those are young players at the college level. So it was, it was making certain that we got uh, a head start on building the nucleus through our freshman that we had this year uh, and making certain that now that they're seeing the comparison, you know, our games in Denver, Air Force was here twice. Our games that were going to Arizona State got shut down due to COVID. Um, they, they would give their hind teeth to play those Arizona State games as they did against Denver. Uh, I'll tell you to go to Denver uh, in October when you're, well, they won the national title, but we got our ass whooped, you know, there. And there's the best ass whooping they have, especially when you're on the bench. It's, to see what the best of the best is, um, you can't see it on film. You can't see how good those players really are. It's an unbelievable team. Well,
1: that's great. Uh, recently, we've seen Long Island uh, do what you're, you're doing now. And uh, before that, Arizona State, Penn State, not that long Well, It seems like it's not that long ago. It's got to be almost 10 years now. Uh, for penn state but have you talked to anyone from those programs and kind of picked their brain about how what they went through and and uh you use some information from them uh, as you uh, get set for next year
4: yeah the coaching fraternity not only in the ACHA but the NCAA and, and also the NHL is is a they understand how lonely uh coaching life is <laughs> so you got to make certain that you you maintain those friendships even though you want to beat the hell out of them when the game starts, it's very important to maintain those. So, the Arizona State is, is we can com- we competed against them at the ACHA level, Penn State, no different, you know, a little different when you get a head start on 105 million dollars. Uh, so yeah. that's a little different, all right. Uh, but, but to see exactly what Greg Power did and has done five years, playing almost all their games on the road, yeah. Uh, was it two years ago or three years ago, they made the top 20, yeah. Um, It's just amazing what they do. And and that's strictly playing an independent schedule. So they travel all the time, right? Now that they're going to have this new rink built, uh, buckle down when it comes to recruiting because that's going to be an easy sell. Um, And if you look at their schedule, they they have an abundance of games. I think they got 25 games in the fall playing there. Maybe uh, they'll earn some of that money back from their frequent flyer miles. But it's good for them. It, It is... When I when I talk to these coaches, and, and I'm a firm believer myself, that you you have to earn the trust every single day. I mean, I, I could talk to my players; they couldn't name five players that were on the Stanley Cup winning uh, Edmonton Oilers. They come up with Gretz, maybe Coffee, but they couldn't come up with five, which I find hard to believe. So wow. the last time I'm I'm going to bring up Sergei Fedorov or or Eichman, they don't know any of these guys. What they know is the current players, so they couldn't care less what type of career I had or, or, or who I know it's, it's serving in the moment serving in the moment is making certain that I prove that I care. My staff proves our care and we're well-prepared. So it, it's a two way street that uh, we're just building relationships, not only in the coaching world, as you as asked, you know, have I had help? Uh, but also it's, you have to build relationships when it comes to scheduling recruiting and also making certain that you have a winning culture inside your dressing room.
1: Speaking of Arizona's building, what's your situation like? Are you good where you're at, or, or will there be a new yeah, building I'm for great. you,
4: too? I'm great. <laughs> i great. I think we're spoiled, to be honest with you. It's uh, two years old, it's only six miles down from the university, so we're not on campus. It's $85 million facility. There's four rinks. Okay. Um, we share the rink at the uh, Blues Practice uh, Center. You know, our rink has 2,500 individual seats in a bowl configuration. We're a tenant. We don't own the rink, but we got the whole side of the rink for all of our hockey programs at Linwood University. Um, Fully compatible video drum, all the amenities. So in coaching, it's called recruitable. We have a very recruitable building that we play in, uh, and it's outstanding. Like the, the guys this year, you know, um, looking for extra ice. The blues are coming in town prior to the training camp. My guys are skating with the blues. They end up hooking up with cell phone numbers. My guys have tickets to the blues. They do the goalie to stop shots for, some, you know what I mean? It's, right. it's a one, wonderful relationship. And then you look at the opponents that come in here and some of them actually do their morning skates out here. Or if they come in ahead of time, we'll practice here to have that type of environment here for a college team is unbelievable. Uh, when we had our press conference uh, down at Enterprise Center, the Blues were all involved. It, it, the CEO Zimmerman was there. Um, my goodness, uh, Doug Armstrong, the GM. If you need assistance or access to our amateur uh, scout, just let me know. We're, we're on board. We want to see this work. It's it just uh, again, I, it's maybe an overused word that I'm using in our conversation, but it's, it's who you know and it's building relationships and. Treating people right
1: well that sounds great that you have that uh, relationship with the blues I, I think moving forward that's that's really terrific speaking of moving forward uh, you're gonna start as an independent is the long-term goal to find a conference and I, I don't know how long of a process that takes but you know yourselves in Arizona State and Long Island Alaska the seawolves from uh, Anchorage are coming back I don't know what's happening with Alabama you got a new team uh, coming out from Providence there's going to be enough independence you could almost have an independent conference.
4: Yeah, it, it's funny. I was having conversations with the five teams that were independent. I mean, Huntsville was in on it. Uh, Long Island was in on it. I, I think Utica, New York was in on the conversation. When you only have five, one gets thrown into a league. Now you're down to four and you don't have a league, right? Right. Um, Arizona State was fortunate last year that they got to play in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you would like to think realignment uh, might happen. Um, Unfortunately, it's coaches that are making those decisions. So realistically, the first and foremost when it comes to coaches is advantages for wins and losses, right? So not only is it uh, when you make tournament play, does it allow an extension on your contract? Extension on your contract might be mean more money, but also brings revenue into the school. So right. wins and losses is everything. That That's how coaches get judged. So. As far as realigning, that's an awful lot of work, but it's tactically done, if discussed at all. Uh, Geographically, for us, uh, the WCHA would be perfect. You know, you you only have two teams uh, west of the Mississippi, which would be uh, Mankato State and the new one, St. Thomas. Mm -hmm. And all the rest is is up through Michigan, you know, other than the Big Ten, and and Ohio. So geographically, St. Louis is, is centrally located, which is nice. We had yeah two exhibition games against Air Force. Um, They play in Atlantic, which is way out east. Yeah, Colorado College is not far from us, and and Arizona State. You know, I mean, you're just going slightly south of St. Louis. Everybody's looking, but it's those aren't my decisions. My uh, that's for the athletic director uh, to negotiate and open up his own uh, lines of communication. I just know that there is a history of college hockey teams that were independent. It becomes a struggle uh, only because of scheduling. It's, right. it's a challenge because you don't get the reciprocating games. It's a challenge as we will. We're going to be on the road all season. Arizona state, they did it, you know, for four years, we're going to do it. It's part of being the new kid on the block. Uh In my desk It's all about being competitive and producing wins, so that's that's what I concern myself.
1: You produced a lot of them this year, a national champ at the a c h a level uh what's next for you, or do you get to have a little time off now? Do you put your feet up by the pool and and relish in your uh, success that's here cool. this season, or do you gotta get right back to work and there is no off season?
4: I get right back to it 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 was um only my staff understands. Uh, the amount of effort and work that we put into this program. Uh, we definitely um, enjoyed ourselves. It wasn't like you know we had to sleep off a hangover, uh, but it was something that, that definitely needed to happen. I had a team gee that I could be honest with you, uh, probably could have won the national title three years in a row, okay? but it's college hockey. It's not the best of three, the best of five. and you got to time things right. The stars have to align. And you got to catch your brakes. So to think that you have a good team, um, you also have to be lucky. And, and there, there's always an underdog that, you know, jumps forward, that has everything to gain, that surprises people. It, it's very challenging at the college level. So it, it's to win, I'm never giving it back. I appreciate it. I've got four here at Lindenwood. Um, and then to be recognized as coach of the year, I've been back-to-back coach of the year. Uh, at the ACHA national level it's I mean it's been a good run here but I mean it's just what I do you know um, I enjoy coming to work and I surround myself with driven people
1: well it sounds like you're ready for the next challenge as well and uh, I, I really I appreciate you making the time and being available I enjoyed the conversation a lot and I look forward to chatting with you again uh, over the next couple of years and see how the program's going
4: Your your number is now on my phone, Guy. I appreciate the call.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Coach. I enjoyed this a lot. Thank you very much, sir.
4: Thank you, sir. All right. Bye-bye. That's
1: Rick Zombo, the head coach for the Lindenwood Lions. That's exciting uh, to have a new program Uh, once again. We had St. Thomas last season. The year before that, it was Long Island University, Arizona State, uh, beyond that, and uh, Penn State way back when. Since then, we've had some teams who have gone away, like uh, Robert Morris, but they're coming back. The University of Alaska in Anchorage, they're coming back. Alabama-Huntsville, fingers crossed that the Chargers come back. And to go along with uh, the new arrival of Lindenwood, uh, the year after that, Stonehill College out of Easton, Massachusetts. They will also be playing Division One men's hockey. So lots of growth in college hockey, that's for sure. You just hope that uh, the talent pool will uh, maintain it and that it won't get watered down, I don't think that will be a problem, especially with the growth of hockey uh, south of the border in the United States. And who's next? I mean, will we hear something about Illinois or Navy? Coach Zombo mentioned Utica. I'd still like to see teams, more programs coming uh, from uh, further west, maybe in California, like USC or UCLA, UNLV in Las Vegas, maybe Oregon with the Ducks. I don't know. To me, it's exciting times, uh, and uh, I think adding more teams to the mix this makes it more interesting. Uh, they're going to have to create more conferences. That's the one downside about being an independent. Well, there, I'm sure there are a few challenges and downsides, but you, having to play an independent schedule is uh, is tough. All right, next up on the Pipeline Show for the next two segments, we're going to turn on the 2022 draft spotlight and get to know another player who is eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. First up, we're going to head to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League and the Gatineau Olympique. Big defenseman, Noah Warren. Let's get to know Noah next, here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Will Hawk Beef Jerky. As a red, still with the buck,
3: Fires across, and they
1: score!
3: Pierre-Luc Dubois! On the one-timer, wires it past
0: Bo Taylor! Hey, it's pierre Dubois from the k and Screen Eagles, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Since 1965, Wilhawk Beef Jerky has provided
2: fresh, top-quality beef jerky made with 100% Alberta beef. From your very first bite, you'll understand that real jerky isn't found at the convenience store. It's tender, full of
4: flavor, with just a hint of subtle spices. Wilhawk's jerky is aged, seasoned, and marinated to lock in the flavors, and then smoked to perfection. Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It might just be the best you've ever tasted. Try for yourself. Search W-I-L-H-A-U-K today.
1: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
0: Yeah, there were horses and a man on fire, and I killed a guy with a trident.
1: Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, the show brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. Go to wilhawkbeefjerky.com. All right, we're going to turn on the 2022 draft spotlight segment and get to know another player that's eligible for the upcoming NHL Draft, and uh, in this segment, we're heading out to the queue, and uh, one of the biggest guys available out of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League this year is my next guest, plays for the Gatineau Olympique, that's Noah Warren. Uh, Noah, welcome to the Pipeline Show, man. How are you? Hey, thanks. thanks for having me. I'm doing good. I appreciate you making the time. I know the team, uh, just back from a, a road swing through uh, New Brunswick, you played three games in three days and yeah. uh, four, on a four-game trip. Uh, one, one, and two record coming back. How do you feel about the way you and the team played?
2: Uh, I feel like we played good. I feel like uh, we we just couldn't finish our games because you know we we played with the lead for for most of our games and then we we kind of lost it uh, towards the end. But I feel like we played good. Um, and I feel confident that uh, we're going to be ready for the for the upcoming games.
1: New Brunswick's not a big province, so the travel's not uh, extensive. But still, three games in three days, those are hard to do.
2: Yeah, it's uh it's it's pretty rough, but uh luckily we 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 took the planes to get there. Uh, otherwise, it would have taken us uh, you know 12 hours to uh, just to travel to Moncton. But no, we were, we were pretty lucky to to fly there um, to finish off, uh, off off of traveling. But you know, it's still rough to play a, a three I
1: I I didn't know that you were taking planes uh, during the regular season. I thought maybe in the playoffs that might happen. But is that a frequent oh, well, thing was, or is
2: that no? It was our first time this year, so. Uh no we were pretty pretty fortunate.
1: I would have to think all of that is because of how much change there's been to the schedule, the season being pushed back to end a little bit later. I think the is is that fair to say that you know if if this was a regular season you probably wouldn't be flying.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And especially this month because this month we were playing 18 games. Uh so we are we're pretty packed.
1: 18 games in 1 month that that's crazy.
2: Yeah, that is a lot.
1: All right. Well, let's hope uh, you got what—ten games left to go uh, in the regular season. Now, the Gatineau Olympic uh, doing very well, second place right now in the Western Conference. Uh, how important yeah. is home ice advantage? Because there's no question you're making the playoffs. It's just where you are in the in the seeding. Uh, how important is home ice advantage to your club?
2: Oh, really important. Uh, you know, we have great fans here in Gatineau. Uh, you know, it's, all, it's always packed here um, when we play at, at a new rink um, that we have. Uh, you know it's 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 really important uh gets the boys going uh, when we step on the ice, and you know we want to make the ha- the fans happy so um you know we don't have a lot of games um at home this month so we're gonna we're gonna go ahead tomorrow and um give them a show
1: for yourself noah twenty one points this year as we're speaking right now, the show will come out on friday, so you'll play a couple of times i believe uh before then but yeah. uh right now twenty one points uh, five of those are goals in 53 games are you happy with the way that you have played this year
2: Yeah, I'm pretty happy. Uh you know, I I didn't think I was going to produce um that much uh you know, offensively uh, cuz you know, I'm more of a of a D, uh, stay-at-home D man, but uh no, I'm I'm pretty happy so far. Um I feel like my progress has been really good uh since the beginning of the year and I feel like I'm still progressing uh, uh up until the end of the year.
1: so if you're surprised with the with the offense uh, why do you think that those points are there Who's your defensive partner? Has it been the same guy for most of the season? Is that part of uh, the reason why
2: uh no it, we i mean we've changed a lot um I've changed a lot of partners uh throughout the year. I think I've played with everyone mm-hmm. except for um except for Tristan because you know we're both righties right but no uh right now I'm playing with isaac Beliveau. um it's going really well and uh yeah we're 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 feeding each other.
1: Well, he's got uh, what twenty nine points, almost thirty points now. So uh, yeah. he he's a, so, uh so you're more of a stay at home guy. He's more of a natural offensive guy, and that kind of combination works really well. Is that how you would describe it?
2: Yeah, exactly. That's that's how I would describe it. Actually, um, yeah, he's more more of an offense guy. Um, plays really good defensively too. But you know, um, move the puck to him, and then makes great great plays for our team to you know uh, get some points on the board.
1: Noah Warren is uh, my guest. He's a defenseman with the Gatineau Olympique in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And uh, Noah, this part of our show, we let our audience get to know somebody who is draft eligible like you are. Uh, and the the pipeline shows a junior and college hockey show, so my regular audience will will know about the queue and uh, might have watched the Olympic games but there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans who listen to a segment like this simply because you are a draft eligible player and they may have never yeah. they they might not know anything about the Olympics. So for the benefit of those people, uh maybe let's get some background on you. Uh you you're from uh, just outside Montreal, correct?
2: Yeah, well I grew up on uh yeah, right outside Montreal in uh, ile des Okay. Um grew up there and then moved to saint jean sur which is uh not too far from Montreal too. Um, but now my you know my, my mom still lives on the island and my dad still lives uh, right outside Montreal. Uh,
1: who got you into hockey at a young age and do you remember how old you you were when you first started playing?
2: Um, I think I was five years old when I uh, got interested mm-hmm. um, I think I was playing outside with my dad then I saw my neighbor he had a had a nice rink in our in our roundabout um, in our neighborhood and then I was like oh dad, I, w- I want to try that. And then, so, um, he put me on the ice with my neighbor um i'd have to i I'd, I'd have to give credit to my dad and my neighbor to uh, getting me into hockey
1: uh, nice, that's good. uh, you're a defenseman. Have you always been uh, on the blue line, or did you try other positions when you were younger up front, or did you throw the pads on
2: uh i I did throw the pads on uh when I played mag hockey mm-hmm. um but no, it wasn't my style um I was a big guy you know, when I was young too. So I uh, tried playing forward too. I uh, didn't really like it. So I, I just stayed, stayed back home and on defense.
1: I see. Okay. The, the, the time that you played in net, was it just one game or did you try it for, you know, a little while?
2: I, I tried it for a couple games, but I, I, it didn't turn out good, I think.
1: Uh, all right. You're a, a high pick in the uh, Quebec major junior hockey league uh, draft. Uh, what? Eighth overall, I believe back in 2020. Yeah. There's some pressure that goes along with that. I would assume because the, the team obviously is expecting big things. They used a, a high pick on you, and the fan base will expect that you're going to be a difference maker. Uh, but uh, most players tell me that nobody expects more from them than the player themselves. Is, is that a similar thing for you?
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like I put a, a lot of pressure on myself, which is which is a good thing too. Um, uh, but with the fans and everything, you know, we that year we had uh, four four high picks. In the draft, we had the number one, the number two, number four, and the number eight. So, um, yeah, for sure there's going to be pressure there. But, uh, you know, the fans are super nice. Uh, we get good feedback to players. So, um, no, it's, a, it's, it's fun.
1: That, that's some crazy high-end talent on your club then. You know, this year is going to be a good year. Next year might even be a better year for your club as you, yeah. that that core group uh, grows together.
2: Yeah, no, Exactly. Uh, plus we have, uh, other talented players, you know, like, uh, Zachary Dean, um, who got drafted for, uh, first round for, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, we got a lot of, uh, a couple of other guys that are drafted too. Um, uh, yeah, no, we're going to be good in, uh, next year. Um, and, you know, we're still, we're still going to try for, to make a push for the cup this year.
1: Well, how has your uh, your performance, your development evolved here over the last couple of seasons? I know last year was such a difficult year for everybody because of COVID, uh, but you had four points in twenty nine games. We mentioned twenty one points in fifty three games. So the offensive side of your game has started to develop a lot more. You even said you were surprised by that. But overall, how what else has changed for you?
2: Uh, I feel like I feel like I just gained confidence um, from you know in my rookie year to my second year. Um, you know uh, being around uh older guys and you know talking to Louie my coach a lot about that um you know i just probably more gained more confidence um and uh you know i was more uh, i was more loose on yes and i was uh i was more comfortable i know when i ask a lot of
1: players about the 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 draft some guys will tell me that they try not to think about the draft at all they don't want to be yeah. distracted by it there are a lot of players though who tell me they actively seek out to see all right, these guys have me ranked here, and these guys, well, they don't have me ranked very high, but these guys, they like me a lot, and they use that as motivation. Uh, what about for you, Noah? Uh,
2: well, I, I, I try not really to, to look at that, uh, you know, think about it, but, you know, with all the, uh, my friends and my family and mm-hmm. all the outside noise, everybody's talking to me about it, but, you know, I, I, I use it as motivation. Uh, as I see that, I, uh, I've continued to, to climb up the rankings, my um, use it as motivation, so I'm like, oh, okay, I'm I'm doing good right now, but you know, there's still uh, spots I need to improve. So, yeah, uh, it, I try not to focus on, on it, but uh, you know, it's it's always going to be there. So, um, there's always going to be a little bit of pressure.
1: Well, and then the, so not just the rankings, but then you get to go to a, a thing like the CHL Top Prospect Game, uh, and I imagine that yeah. was a, that was a, that would have been a thrill. I would have to think, you know, it's. The last couple of years have been difficult, and uh, you know to get an opportunity to play in that, and they had to move that uh, earlier from earlier this year as well. So even just to get it in was a, a success. But uh, what was that experience like for you?
2: Oh, that was that was super nice. Uh, you know, I was able to share it with two teammates as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it was really fun. Um, met met a couple guys uh, that you know I played with uh, when I was when I was younger. Uh, you know, super great, great experience. Um, you know, I, I got to, I got to play with the forty best um, in, in, in the country. So yeah, it was a great experience, and uh, it was really fun. Uh,
1: now you mentioned that there are still aspects of your game that you want to work on. Um, can you share those with us? Yeah. I, 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 I want to ask you about your strengths and what you think you're the strongest at. But I'm interested to, you know, I, I always like it when a player is able to tell me where they're weaker or. Uh, where they're still trying to improve on as well.
2: Yeah, well, you know, just you know, small small details um, that every player player has to has to work on them. Uh, I have to work on that, and then um, I would probably have to say um, faster and uh, better decision making for for the next level because hmm. I feel like my my decision making is good for the Q, which is a, a a good fast league, but you know the NHL is a way faster league, so I'm I'm going to need to continue and re- improve on that.
1: Well, certainly one advantage you have. Most players will tell me they need to get bigger and stronger. Well, you're already six foot five, and what are you weight-wise? <laughs> two fourteen, two fifteen, two twenty-ish. Maybe by this yeah, two fifteen. Yeah. I mean, you already have that uh, check marked. Uh, you said you've always been a big kid. So, like in school, were you always like the biggest guy in your class?
2: Yeah, I was. I was. But I, I, I love working out, so um, it, that's probably why I'm, I'm, I'm heavy too.
1: Alright, well for those of us who haven't had a
2: chance to watch you play
1: outside of the top prospect game that was uh, on TV across the country, but uh, how would you describe yourself as a player? I mean, uh, when you're that, that size, I think most people are hoping that you play with a certain level of physical play.
2: Yeah, I'm a hard, I'm a hard to play against D. I um, love to play physical. Uh, you know, I have a good skating ability, so I, I, I'm pretty pretty good skater. Um and on defense, I'm 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 really good. I'm a good lockdown D. Uh,
1: Montreal area guy. Did that mean you were a Habs fan growing up, or were you cheering for someone else?
2: Uh, I was. Uh, growing up, uh, was a uh a huge Habs fan up until the age of twelve, and then I switched to uh, um uh, Washington and Colorado um, oh. for the past few years now. It, yeah, interesting.
1: Any particular reason why?
2: Um. Uh, for Washington, I might say, I have to say Ovi. Um, big Ovi fan growing up too. Hmm. So you know, uh, and I love the team. They're they're a good team, and Colorado. They just have really good young guys. So um, yeah, I'm a big fan of them.
1: Interesting that you're a defenseman, but you look at a forward like Ovechkin as as a guy that you kind of look up to. Are there defensemen around the the uh, the NHL that you kind of look to as? Maybe a, a template for the way that you can have success because they're, you know, a similar size or they play a similar style.
2: Yeah, well, uh, I usually compare myself to Seth Jones. All right. Uh, you know, because he, he he's a good two-way D-man. Um, he's a really good skater. Um, you know, he can he can lay the body too. Um, but recently, I've been uh, I've been loving Moritz Seider, uh, who plays for for Detroit. I uh, really love his style of play so yeah I, I I love both of these guys. Yeah.
1: He's having a fantastic year as a rookie this year uh, yeah.
2: for Detroit. Um
1: you mentioned Tristan Leno I had him on the program earlier this season. Uh you get to practice with him and and uh, you don't play together, but you're on the same team. You so see you have pretty good insight yeah. uh, on him. What makes him a
2: special player? I mean he's one of the hardest working guys out there and he's uh he's a perfectionist so he Always wants everything to be perfect, which is good. Um, but you know, he's he's always he always has a smile on his face. Um, he, he's a great leader, um, off and on the ice. Um, but he's a great guy. Um, you you know, he's gonna he motivate some players. Um, and for for on the ice, I, I'd have to say that he has probably the, one of the best hockey IQs I've I've seen uh, in a long time. No, before I let you go, I'd
1: be uh, crazy if I didn't ask you. A couple of weeks ago, uh, your club made big news. Ev Gascon comes in uh, and she uh, yeah. plays a couple of games for you guys. She wins the, the second one. Uh, she looked pretty good in the first game, though, as well. I don't know if she's still with the team or if, if uh, uh, the other guys are back now. But uh, just go through that uh, what that's like as being on that team in, in that sort of atmosphere. And that's a great story, isn't it?
2: Yeah, well, that, that was super nice. Um, it was fun. You know' not having Ev around, um you know she she's really good in that um no it was nice we we had her at, at camp at the beginning of the year uh she was doing good, but then uh you know she she had to go play w- with her club mm-hmm. um our go our our first goal you got got injured so um she got called up played a couple of games and she won the second one uh which which was a really good game she played good um and yeah, she was she was really solid.
1: Yeah, it was great. I saw the celebration, the video of uh, her going back yeah. into the room. You guys all showering her with the water bottles. That's that's great. That's it's a it's a real bonding thing for the team, isn't it? Something to rally around.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, we were we were losing a, a, a lot of games before that, so you know, it, it it got the team going for sure.
1: Awesome. Well, Noah, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, best luck the rest of the way in the uh, the regular season and in the playoffs, and uh, maybe we'll get a chance to chat again.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Hey, there's Noah Warren from the Gatineau Olympique. Big guy, 6'5", closing in on 220. Uh, already big and strong, so you don't have to worry about that with him moving forward. First noticed him in the uh, game where Ev Gascon came in And uh, played that first one. She lost that first game. But I really noticed Noah Warren that entire game. And then I thought he had a really good appearance at the CHL Top Prospect game as well. So a big guy like that. Looks like he's slotted in sort of like a second rounder. Maybe late second, early third round kind of guy. Uh, I would not be surprised if he's taken before that. But we will have to wait until draft day to find out. Enjoy that conversation. Another 2022 draft spotlight coming up next. And uh, for this one, we're headed to the West Coast, all the way to Vancouver Island with the Victoria Royals. Uh, Braden Sherman, the uh, Royals, man, they've got a, a busy weekend. Two games against the Spokane Chiefs, a team they are battling for one of the final playoff spots. There are four teams in the WHL's Western Conference, all scrapping to get three spots. One of those teams will miss out. So perfect time to talk to Braden Sherman. He's next, here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky.
4: Hi, this is
3: John
2: Gunther of the Edmonton kings
3: And he only got three All-Kings. Riley Satchuk, three on through through neutral ice. Satchuk gains the line, floats in front for Gunther, charging down. Gunther, and it scores! I didn't think they'd find a way to make that work, but it does. Dylan Gunther tucks it home. It's 6-3 Edmonton.
2: And you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Ah! WHL Playoff Hockey returns to Rogers Place.
3: And your 2022 Edmonton Oil Kings Playoff Passes are on sale now.
2: For only $129 a seat, you get access to every home playoff game the Oil Kings play.
3: And the more we play, the less you pay. Be there as NHL first-rounders Sebastian Kosa, Caden Gouley, Dylan Gunther, and the powerhouse Oil Kings chase the crowd.
2: Edmonton Oil Kings Playoff Passes are on sale now.
3: Great family entertainment at Rogers Place all WHL Playoff long starts at just $129 a seat at oilkings.ca. Playoff Pass.
4: You're listening to The Pipeline Show
1: with Guy Flaming. Hello there. Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky, and you can get it anywhere in Western Canada, but there's only two locations. They're both just outside of Edmonton, but you can get it shipped to you if you're in Western Canada. Any order, any size, anywhere out west, uh, just contact a Trent in Leduc or uh, Trevor in Spruce Grove. That's WilhockBeefJerky.com. All right, we're going to uh, turn on the 2022 draft spotlight once again and get to know another player who is eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. And for this one, we're heading out to BC, in fact, uh, as far west as we can go, Victoria, with the uh, Victoria Royals. Braden Sherman is my guest. Uh, Braden, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you?
0: I'm doing great, thank you.
1: Well, I appreciate you being available. I know this is a this is a big week for for you and for the Royals. In fact. End of the WHL's regular season and uh, playoff implications on the line. Uh, Quite the finish. Three teams in the WHL's Western... Four teams in the WHL's Western Conference scrapping for the last three playoff spots this weekend. Everybody's separated by all of two points. You happen to play one of those teams twice this weekend. So you got destiny in your own hands. Right now, if the playoffs started, you'd be on the outside looking in, uh, uh, sitting with 50 points. But you got Spokane twice this weekend uh i guess i'll put on my captain obvious hat but this is a pretty big weekend
0: yeah absolutely i think uh, our group's uh, really confident going into this week of practice and uh, preparation coming up to these uh friday saturday games against spokane and yeah obviously we all know it's at stake here and um looking to get things done
1: what's the season series been like between you and spoke so far this year how many times have you played them
0: Uh, We played them once this year uh, in Spokane. Um, Unfortunately, we lost in overtime, but we had a good battle with them for sure.
1: All right. Well, only one game, so anything can happen. Now, right now, you guys are uh, riding a four-game cold streak, uh, winless in your last four, so that's not great. But uh, how do you rally the troops and and get ready for this weekend? I guess it's probably pretty easy to get everybody invested into this one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think all the guys are really invested in, um, obviously, like I said, their preparation. and um, Yeah, I think the guys know – um, what's at stake here and I think everyone's going to bring their uh, bring their best.
1: Uh, tell me about this season for you uh, in general uh, Braden 54 points this year in just 66 games that's a terrific uh, year it's it's your second season but we all know that last year's uh, short really short season was almost like a uh, an appetizer before the the meal um, what how have you felt about the the way you played this year?
0: Yeah I've been really happy with the way I played obviously Um surrounded by a bunch of good players and great coaching staff. I think the opportunity um, that I've, uh, one, earned, and two, that I've been given um, to be put in opportunities to succeed, and I think I've um, done really well in those circumstances.
1: Have your line mates changed a lot this year, or have you been playing with the same couple of guys for the most part?
0: Um, for the most part, it's been the pretty similar guys. I've played with um, uh, Bailey Peach and Taron Pfizer a lot. Um, then as of lately, I've uh, been moved with um, Tanner Scott and Marcus Almquist.
1: Okay, I, I know the team got Taron Fizer back sort of after the season had started, and, and uh, no coincidence, I think there was a, a pretty nice boost for everybody uh, to see him back in the room. He's a he's an impact guy for you. I mean, 47 points in 33 games.
0: Oh, absolutely. Taron's a great guy to have on our team. We're really happy, that uh, obviously, that he came back and a uh, great leader for us. And yeah, like you say, a great player as well. You mentioned Bailey Peach, and that's
1: another great story. I mean, a guy who was playing in the queue the last number of years, and suddenly he's uh paratrooped into your backyard, and it seems like he's a natural fit. I don't know if anybody knew him or what sort of relationship or how you know how long it took for him to feel comfortable but uh man that's that's a great story too with the way Bailey has played for you
0: yeah, absolutely uh Peter's uh a great character guy, and obviously him coming over has helped us like a lot this year, and um yeah, he's a real fun guy to have around the room too.
1: All right, Braden Sherman is my guest. He's a forward with the Victoria Royals in the WHL, and uh, what we like to do in this part of the show, Braden, is let our audience get to know somebody who's draft eligible, like you are. And now, the 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 pipeline show is a junior and college hockey show, so my regular audience will know all about the dub and uh, and uh, how it all works. But uh, there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans that listen to a segment like this just because you're a draft eligible player, and they might not uh, know anything about the uh, the dub or the Royals or. Uh, they might be in the states or overseas. Uh, so for the benefit of those people, uh, maybe let's uh start right at the beginning. Where'd
0: you grow up? I uh, grew up in Abbotsford. Uh, I was born there and have grown up there the last, I guess, 17 years until I guess I'm building here in Victoria.
1: All right, Abbotsford. For those who don't know, what about it uh, 45 minutes from Vancouver, an hour maybe?
0: Yeah, about an hour away from Vancouver, uh, close to uh, closer to Chilliwack. Uh,
1: How old were you when you first started playing, and uh, do you remember who got you into the game?
0: Yeah, I think I was about five years old. I got some uh, hockey gear for Christmas from my parents and from my grandparents, so um, definitely give credit to them for uh, wanting to put me in hockey, but I also loved hockey since I was really, really little. I always watched games with my dad, and I always played mini sticks uh, with my dad as well, so uh, I had a love for the game at a really young age.
1: Do you have siblings or uh, only child? No, I do
0: actually have four younger siblings.
1: Any of them players?
0: Uh yeah, my youngest uh, brother, Levi. He's uh, he's a little hockey player as well.
1: All right, but uh, how much younger are your siblings?
0: Um, got four younger ones. Um, my youngest brother is 12, and then there's three girls in the middle between uh, me and my younger brother.
1: Okay, do they play at all, or are they just uh you know sick of uh, having to go watch your uh, minor hockey games when you were younger?
0: No, I think I think they love coming to my games. they uh, those girls are volleyball players mostly. I see. Okay. Uh all right, when you were
1: uh, taken in the Bantam draft, uh I believe fourth round, if I uh, if I remember correctly and back in 2019 would have been your draft year. Um tell me about draft day. What what that was like for you? A lot of guys were, you know, at school and trying to follow along with how it unfolds. Other guys were allowed to stay home from school. What was draft day like for you?
0: Yeah, draft day for me, I was uh, at home just with my family and yeah, I was pretty cool to go to a place like victoria like obviously great franchise great city um and not too far away from home so it's pretty fortunate to go to a great place
1: yeah i was gonna ask about that because it's you know there's no team in abbotsford so you know you're gonna have to move but it's not all that far how often do your friends and family actually get to come out to victoria to watch you play or do they always meet you in langley or something
0: yeah, no, my family, and they came to, uh, I guess, all the games at the Langley Event Center there with the Giants, so I'd meet them at all those games, have family come out, and then, yeah, they've also made a few trips out to Victoria, which has been uh, really great to see them.
1: Now, with the COVID situation in the last couple of years, we talked about the short season last spring. You've never actually had the full WHL experience. You've only been playing in the Western Conference the whole time. Uh, knock on wood, we get back to normal next year, but that'll be a lot of fun. You get to see the Prairies.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Playing hockey, uh, I guess, in Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. We'll see what it's like out there. Oh, yeah, hopefully, like you say, next year. Does it feel like almost
1: two separate leagues for you? Because you've never played. Here, I'm I'm on the broadcast crew for the Edmonton All-Kings. You've never played Edmonton.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it definitely feels a little strange. It feels like, yeah, it's the league's, I guess, in a way, split into two. And yeah. I guess you only see those teams down the road in the playoffs if uh, if and when you make it that far. But, yeah, it, it definitely seems different to I guess not see the whole half of the league.
1: Well, tell me about the uh, the NHL draft this year. Uh you are a player who's uh, ranked uh, fairly high uh, by NHL Central Scouting uh, what 58th in North America by NHL Central Scouting. Uh is the draft something you spend much time thinking about or you know some players tell me they don't want to think about it at all. They don't want to be distracted by it. Other players tell me they want to know exactly where they're ranked and by who so that they can use that as as motivation. What about for you?
0: Yeah, for me it's definitely it's definitely something in the back of your mind but then again it's not my main focus my main focus is um just progressing every day getting better every day and if you get noticed that's awesome um any any team any organization that notices you that's that's awesome and at the end of the day those central scouting is it's it's not where you're drafted or the number or anything it's just um I guess you could say outsider looking in and just yeah just to keep building and keep progressing my game
1: for those of us who haven't had a chance to watch you play and like i said there might be people from out east or in the states or europe that are listening to this and have never seen you play can you give us a a bit of a self-scouting report how do you see yourself as a player
0: yeah i'd say describe myself as like 200 foot centerman um i think i got uh, some good offensive abilities i got good hockey sense and i I skate really well um i think that i like to create opportunities in the open zone i think i have a uh, elite level shot and i think uh yeah i think that's me as a player
1: and uh we're about 10 minutes into this interview we haven't talked about size at all usually is that one of the first questions people ask you about that you're you know you're not six foot two
0: you know it's not something i'm really worried about i think i have uh, the right body type and um uh, strength and my um my lower body i think that's that's one of the key things as well for not only skating but um Having guys, not be able to push you off the puck, I think that's really important.
1: Well, we had a player here in Edmonton uh, not that long ago, Trey who was who uh, might not even have been 5'9", but he was about the same weight that you are, and that was something we noticed with him, was that you know, he's a bit of a bulldog, like a fire hydrant. Tough guy to knock off the puck. Uh, is that part of your game? I mean, you're a centerman, but are you digging into the corners and going behind the net and winning those battles in front of that?
0: Oh, absolutely. I take pride in winning battles down low and working on the half balls, and I think that yeah like I say, like um the strength of my lower half and obviously upper half as well yeah it's it's not easy to knock me off the puck I think my puck protection is uh, obviously really well, not only for a small guy but of anyone in general
1: before you get to the next level in order to have success, what areas of your game do you think you have to refine the most?
0: for me, I think um possessing the puck a lot more um using my speed to drive defense back and You know, use cutbacks and changes of tempo um, to be able to obviously create more for me, myself and uh, my teammates as well. And then obviously every day improving, whether that's on my back end, better on my touches, um, better with my shot. Um, I think think all areas um, can definitely be improved um, moving forward.
1: I don't know if I mentioned the stats yet, but uh, 29 goals, 54 points this year in 66 games. Almost a little uh, an even split there between goals and assists. A little bit more for goals. Do you see yourself more as a shooter, or are you the setup guy? I, I guess a little bit of both.
0: Yeah, I think definitely both. I've had um, made plays this year where I, uh, I've been the shooter, and I've also made plays this year while I've been the distributor. So I like to uh, obviously I, I'd like to do both and continue to do both.
1: How are you taking faceoffs as a centerman? And I don't know if maybe uh, having a uh, a height advantage in that regard i don't know if that helps not being a you know six four or something like that does it help when you're five nine five ten
0: yeah like i said I was saying before low to the ground i got a lot good strong base so i think um, being able to get under sticks and um, being really strong down low i think i've had quite a bit of success in the face-off circle and obviously working with technique with coaches and stuff and i think i've really improved that category this year obviously when uh, a lot of draws have been taken a lot this year
1: being a Lower Mainland guy, does that automatically make you a Canucks fan, or uh, were you cheering for somebody else, or maybe just random players uh, around the league instead of one team?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of the game, so any team that's doing well, any players that are uh, a treat to watch, I think that's that's a lot of uh, a lot of my focus. But yeah, I am a Canucks fan as well, um, being I guess from the Abbotsford area, so went to a lot of Canucks games growing up.
1: Yeah, I, I assumed. Uh, who are some of those guys around the NHL though that uh, that you look to for inspiration?
0: Uh, guys, I guess like Nathan McKinnon, uh, guys like Patrice Bergeron, the, the complete game. Uh, I guess guys Sidney Crosby is obviously fun to watch. Connor McDavid, uh, the league superstars. I think those are those are some guys that um, you obviously aspire to be like and to play like. And uh, those guys are those guys are a treat to watch.
1: Well, Braden, uh, before we wrap up, you got that big series this weekend against Spokane, and then whatever happens in the playoffs. But uh, to have success against the Chiefs is there one aspect of your game is it you know is it more about d- preventing Spokane from doing something or just executing your own game plan
0: yeah I think it's executing our game plan I think we got to be the aggressors um, we got to um, I guess come at them we can't sit back on our heels we got to be on our toes and attack uh, I think yeah like I said we got to be the aggressors uh, this weekend
1: well Brayton I really appreciate your time thanks for doing this Uh, Best of luck this weekend against the the, uh, Chiefs, and uh, hopefully you guys make it into the playoffs, and uh, whatever happens in the draft, maybe we'll chat again.
0: Sounds good. Thank you very much.
1: That's Braden Sherman from the Victoria Royals, one of the top scorers uh, for that club, and they're going to need him this weekend going up against the Spokane Chiefs with everything this season on the line just to get into the playoffs. Now, the reward for getting into the playoffs this year is you're going to face A team like Everett or Kamloops or even Portland or uh, Seattle and Kelowna. Seattle and Kelowna are going to play in the first round. But, you know, those three teams who are scrapping to get into the postseason, they have a tough test in that opening round. But just getting there, just keep in mind how tough it's been for the owners of these uh, teams over the last two years with, you know, last season no income at all because uh, they're playing in front of uh, empty buildings. So a little playoff revenue, even if it only ends up being two home games, it's something. So really, really important for a lot of these teams to make the playoffs, and Victoria with a chance to do that this weekend if they're successful against the Spokane Chiefs. Prince George has a tough task. They've got Kelowna and Kamloops, I believe, uh, this weekend. Now they are one point ahead of Victoria. So if Victoria is able to get one win, That'll move them past Prince George, and then PG will have to beat one of those two really, really good teams. Now, are Kelowna and Kamloops going to be resting any players or taking their foot off the pedal at all? I don't know, but those are two really good clubs, so it's going to be hard even for Prince George to get any victories. But Spokane is hungry too, and they want the wins. So it's uh, it's going to be an awesome weekend uh, to wrap up the WHL's regular season. And somebody else who is uh, invested in uh, watching how things play out this weekend in the WHL would be Hockey Canada. They're getting set for the U18s in Germany, still waiting to flesh out their roster because they don't know who is and who isn't available to them. Because the WHL season, well, the CHL season's all got pushed back by two or three weeks, a month in the queue. Normally they would know... All the teams that didn't make the playoffs, plus some of the uh, clubs that got knocked out in the first round, all those players would be available for Canada. Although well, this year's going to be a little different. How different? We'll ask Alan Miller from Hockey Canada. He joins me next here on The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Will Hawk, Beef Jerky.
2: Hey, it's Dylan Hollis from the Wisconsin Badgers.
1: Now he goes cross-eyed, center-eyed to Holloway. Drop pass between his legs. Weissbach refeeds Holloway. Open. Score! <laughs> One game fits. Holloway
2: 1-1 wow then you're listening to pipeline show
4: Five-time Alberta Junior Hockey League champions, the Spruce Grove Saints, are back and welcoming fans to the Grant Fuhrer Arena for the 2021-22 season. A community-minded Junior A hockey organization offering affordable family entertainment. Tickets to big league hockey at affordable family rates range from $9 to $15, with free parking and some of the
3: best food and drink specials in town. For more information on tickets and how you can become a partner, go to sprucegrovesaints.ca.
1: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
0: Look, Guy, we have to stay strong. If you don't stand with your fellow Canadians, then you are a rat. Don't call me a rat, buddy. I'm not your buddy, friend. He's not your friend, Guy. I'm not your guy, buddy. He's not your buddy, friend. I'm not your friend, Guy.
1: We're back on The Pipeline Show for one more segment in this week's episode, the program brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. That's Alberta's best beef jerky. Go to wilhawkbeefjerky.com. That's W I L H A U K. Beefjerky.com. All right, the World U18 Hockey Championship is being held in Germany in about 10 days from now. And uh, Team Canada getting ready to head over, but they don't have a team yet because the CHL seasons aren't done. All we know so far is we've got a a coaching staff and a a management group, and uh, one of the members of that management group joins me now, Alan Miller. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show, Alan. How are you?
3: I'm good, gee. Thanks. It's always a privilege to, to join you.
1: Oh, well, that's flattering. I, I'll, I'll accept that. Uh, the, I guess the news so far is you do have a coaching staff. Uh, that being announced uh, here on Thursday this week, uh, Nolan Baumgartner is uh, the the bench boss, and uh, he uh, fleshed out the the rest of the staff as well. Um, can you give us a, a brief uh, synopsis on uh, why Nolan's the right guy and, and who else joins him?
3: yeah i think uh we were able to put t- together a real diverse staff in terms of their experiences across the national hockey league american hockey league uh u sport c h l and uh uh i h f uh and you know national teams and international events so um you know nolan obviously uh played at a high level played on two world junior teams knows what it's like to put on the jersey uh went into coaching right after his career and uh, in the American Hockey League, and then four years with Travis Green in Vancouver, was part of our Olympic staff. Made a real impression on our group, and you know when we started to talk about putting this staff together. And, and again, with the uh, the CHL seasons being pushed right up till this weekend, we were we were working outside of the CHL again, like we were last year, because mm-hmm. uh, as you know, Guy, traditionally um, our coaches come from within the CHL, and uh, Nolan was a guy that we had great discussions on and then we able to bring some great experience from the OHL with Todd Miller's experience and Barry and, and Oshawa Uh, David Strucci in the West here with his, you know, long time in Regina. And, and, you know, those two guys know those leagues very well. And, 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 you know, most of our players are going to come out of the Ontario hockey league and, and the West. And, you know, Dave Strucci has been with us at under 17 and was an assistant coach at this event a couple of years ago in Sweden. So, um, real good group to put together, uh, bring Corey Chevry in uh, uh, from our national women's team to, to work with this group and still do a lot of the eye in the sky work and pre-scouts. And, and then Brad, Brad Kirk, Kirk, Kirkwood, um, you know, again, from our national women's program and experience with the Calgary Dinos and the Calgary Hitmen uh, out our staff as goalie coach. So a uh, real good group. They've been hard at it here today in terms of their preparations. Now I just have to get them a roster.
1: Yeah, exactly, and and that's the challenge right now. And as you mentioned, because the CHL seasons have been pushed back a couple of weeks for the Dub and the OHL, a full month back for the uh, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. You kind of mentioned it. Most of your team is going to come from the OHL and the WHL because, and that's not to say that there aren't good players available this year out of the queue, because there are. They're just going to still be playing for you know regular season, uh, you know what, uh, almost the entire length of the U18 tournament. So those guys won't be available. That's an extra challenge for you. So how do you get around that? Will we see maybe more junior A guys going? I don't know if you have anyone out of the USHL that you could bring up if you want to, uh, or are there going to be some younger guys maybe than normal?
3: I can tell you, gee, everybody's on the board, um, and it's, uh, it's, it, there's lots of moving parts, and it's a little bit of a jigsaw puzzle at times. Um, you know, We're focused on uh, the four non-playoff teams in the OHL, Uh, the six non-playoff teams in the Western Hockey League, and Junior A across Canada, and any Canadians playing in the USHL. You need to work through with all the club teams in in terms of those players' availabilities if they're continuing competition. Um, And as you know, um, in in Ontario, uh, final playoff spots, Erie and Sarnia are separated by one point. (laughs) You've got four teams in the, the WHL Eastern Conference separated by two points. And you got three in the WHL Western Conference, separated by one point, all vying for final playoff position. So, um, you know, I've 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 been able to communicate with all the teams and the respective players that we're interested in. Gotten great support from the managers and coaches in the OHL and the WHL because you know their focus is is getting into the playoffs. But they understand if they don't, there's opportunities for their players uh, to play in a World Championship and. Um, but we're in a situation right now where uh, it's game to game to game here. Friday, Saturday, Sunday—a big game in Swift Current tomorrow night. Um, you know, uh, you know, following uh, all the races, uh, you know, to try and get uh, get our final roster together. So, uh, right now we've, um, you know, we've got plans for our first group of players to travel to Germany Sunday night, and we'll have some players available as of, of Saturday. And then we've got a second group going over Monday night, and we'll get on the ice and get ready for our opening game the 23rd.
1: A worst-case scenario, if there's a a, a tiebreaker scenario that happens in the WHL, and very well could be one or two of those this year with the the races as tight as they are, I think those would go Tuesday, right? So that could really throw an extra wrench into the mix.
3: Yeah, and, and, and what our plan is, and we have contingency plans around those tiebreaker games, is you know, if there's any teams that are playing in those tiebreaker games that have players of significance for for our team, then we have you know we have no choice but to wait. And uh, so we have a contingency plan uh, for flights to um, to Germany on the the twentieth. Uh, we're prepared to to get players out of Toronto, Calgary, Vancouver um, if that happens. And uh, um, that's just uh, it's just the way it is. You know, it's. Uh, Um, You know, we knew with the COVID pauses during the year that uh, there was a potential for leagues to be backed up. We're very respectful of the CHL wanting to have a traditional 68-game schedule, and now that we've gotten back to somewhat normalcy and and, and good on them, uh, you know, the under-18 dates didn't change to accommodate uh, our plans or (laughs) what happened in the CHL, and we need to do the best that we can to, to try and ice a competitive team.
1: Can you confirm for me that uh, the late 93s, although they'll be uh, 93s, the late 2003s, man, I'm getting old, those guys aren't eligible to play this year. They, they're first time eligible for the draft, but is it only 2004 birth years and younger?
3: Yes, yes. No, uh, no late 03s are eligible. It's uh, predominantly a 2004 tournament under, you know, uh, the definition of under eighteen, I guess, right. is the 2004 age group. Um, but I anticipate that we will have uh, a number of 2005s uh, on our team. Uh, again, it's just the nature of uh, the, the the availability of players, and uh, but there's also you know quite a few very good uh, 2005s that that could be available to us, and 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 we'd have to give those guys an opportunity. So. Um, that's where we're at.
1: I'm joined by uh, Alan Miller from uh, Hockey Canada. He is the director of player personnel uh, for Hockey Canada and uh, a longtime uh, personality in the personality. I don't know if that's the
3: right word, but uh, you got a great personality. Some would say that G. Some would say a uh, personality <laughs> for sure. I'm sure the officials in the WHL might say that and worse.
1: <laughs> longtime uh, GM with the uh, the Moose Jaw Warriors and uh, around the WHL. Uh, let's put it that way. Um the biggest challenge for you guys is going to be trying to come together as a cohesive unit on the ice in such a short time frame isn't it how do you get around that
3: Well I think you get around it with simplicity I think uh, we've talked a lot about the coaches and you know in terms of our preparations and and uh you know we can't make this you know real complicated we're going to be bringing 25 young men together from you know numerous different teams different leagues um so, you know, our coaching staff is prepared in terms of, you know, obviously we'll have plans in terms of how we want to play and, and systems and those types of things. But uh, simplicity is going to be a key. We really believe that this is going to be about, you know, relationships and communication, getting 100% buy-in, making sure that everybody feels part of this. And, and I think at the end of the day, Gee, that we, you know, we always feel as Team Canada that, you know, we have a chance to win and we can be better just because of the Jersey we put on. And, uh, and, and we're going to need that to ring true, uh, with this group. You know, we see it, uh, time and time again, um, you know, the level that the players can get to in terms of their commitment and their work ethic and, and humility, uh, when they get to our national teams and, uh, and, uh, hopefully that, uh, is something we'll rely on and something that our players will relish and, uh, and we'll be able to come together as soon as we can that the you know the thing about this tournament when you consider it's traditionally a 10-team tournament with relegation it's mm-hmm. an 18 tournament this year without relegation so every team gets into the quarterfinals so what we need to make sure is that that we get better every day and and we're playing our best hockey when we get to the quarterfinals and beyond you know what happens in the preliminary round is what it is it'll take some time for our group to get to, to, to come together um but as long as we're getting better and we peak at the right time, hopefully we give ourselves a chance.
1: I'm Canadian. I always cheer for Canada, obviously, to do really well. This year, with the circumstances the way they are, should we temper expectations as, as on the outside looking in? I mean, you're obviously part of the organization and, and uh, are hoping for a gold medal. But does it seem realistic that maybe we should uh, consider just going over there and playing well and, and maybe coming home with some sort of medal is, is good enough this year?
3: Well, I I I think we always talk about gold medal performances and winning gold medals, and they're they're different things because you know we're, you know the the competition is what it is. It's it's excellent. Um, you know uh, we're going to be up against some very good teams. Where you know you have a club team essentially from the U.S. that's been together all year, and and that's how we you know we get to start our tournament. Um, so you know I think we all understand. Uh, the circumstances we're in in terms of our player availability. And, and every year at this tournament, we we don't always have the best players available because of the CHL playoffs. So it, it is a tournament where at times we're short-staffed, and this year we're not able to add players after the first and second round. So it's mm. even a little bit more, it's even a little tougher. But what I would say, Guy, is that, you know, we're not tempering expectations um, uh, just because of the availability of players and the, posi- the, the position we're in. Um, our goals, our objectives uh, haven't changed and, and, and we wouldn't want everybody that cheers so greatly for us to, to expect anything different other than we're going to go over there, uh, give it our best shot. And, uh, you know, and hopefully if, if some things kind of go our way this weekend, I think we might have a chance to surprise some people.
1: All right, well, you're in Group A with uh, the United States, uh, the Czech Republic. Oh, I almost said Czech Republic. Czechia. That's, Czechia. It, yeah. I, I still call you, uh, the Arizona Coyotes Phoenix. And, uh, you know, I had Ty Nelson on the show a couple weeks ago, and I said he was with the Brampton Battalion. So uh, old habits. There you go. I guess. Uh, all right, so <laughs> Germany, Czechia, the United States and Canada in Pool A, and uh, the Swiss, Finland, Sweden, and uh, Latvia in Pool B. And as you said, nobody, everybody moves on. Uh, to the uh, the playoff portion. But you start it, you get thrown to the to the Lions right away, the U.S., uh, and you touched on it. This is basically a club team. They play together not just a full year, but two years. The U-17 team, the U-18 team, uh, they uh, they all developed together for a couple of seasons. That program has worked so well. I wish it could happen in Canada because it works so well. Why can't it happen in Canada? Why can't Canada have a, a national development program that way? Maybe base them out of Calgary, play in the Alberta Junior Hockey League.
3: Yeah, I, I think it's you know I don't necessarily know if it can't as much as a you know a, a our great partnership with the Canadian Hockey League, and and I think that you know, you know as much as as much as people might um, could argue or debate um, you know the CHL versus the the USHL um, for me you know, I have respect for the USHL but. You know, and I'm biased with my experience, long time being a manager in the CHL. I don't, I don't believe it's at the same level. And um, you, you know, where they're able to have the national development program, um, you know, if you compare that opportunity to, you know, players at 16 and 17 years old developing in the CHL, well, um, I think that you know, there's there's a lot of great things that happen within the CHL and their member clubs with those players. And I think, you know, when you look at you know, our success on the international level, you know, our partnership with the CHL, um, the work we do with a lot of our staff, our management group, our GM committees, our regional scouts, our coaches at the under 17, under 18 world junior level, all come in as part of our partnership with the CHL. Um, we're, we're very happy with that partnership and, and think it works very well.
1: See, and I think it would be more the the guys who end up going the college road, not the CHL players, but the guys who play in the AJ or the BCHL, and I guess that's not even part of Hockey Canada or the the Canadian Junior Hockey League anymore. But, you know, the the Rieger Lorenz-type players, Dylan Holloway, Carter Savoy, those guys, uh, they're not playing in the CHL anyway. So why not uh, gather the best of that group, the the college-bound group, and have them play together as 17- and 18-year-olds for a couple of years before they go to
3: college? Yeah, you know, I I think that... uh... Uh, the, the comment has uh, merit, but, you know, at the same time, Guy, I think, first of all, you 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 know, the U.S. national program uh, traditionally brings the best across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're limited to non-CHL players, you're not bringing the best together. And that pool of elite players that, you know, spend a year or two in, in Tier 2 junior and then end up in the NCAA is not a huge pool of players. So. Well, it would have some substance to consider for those types of players and the ones you mentioned. Um, I'm not sure that uh, uh, I'm not sure you'd have the numbers to make it work properly. But um, you know, uh, you know who know, who knows what uh, could come down the road. I guess. Fair enough,
1: uh, Alan. Well, I certainly wish you the best of luck uh, once you and the, the rest of the group uh, get overseas. Uh, it would be very interesting to see how things play out in the CHL and the OHL and the WHL this weekend and uh, see which players uh, become available for you for sure. But uh, thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it.
3: Yeah, always. Great to chat, great to Guy, and we'll we'll talk again. Take care.
1: That's Alan Miller, Director of Player Personnel for uh, Hockey Canada and uh, for Team Canada, heading over to the World U18s. And, man, that is a tough so- situation for them. They can't make their team yet because they don't know who's going to be available. they got to wait until this weekend is done to have a pretty good sense of who's available. Now, we can't talk about individual players, but let's do some of the uh, the, the investigative journalism. First question is, who's the goaltender? Because Tyler Brennan's too old. He's a late 93, late 2003. Uh, so is Mason Bopit. So really, Reed Dick is the guy that comes to mind. Calgary has a goaltender who would be eligible, and Ethan Buenaventura. But the hitmen are trying to get into the playoffs right now. There's a few players in Prince George, and a goaltender up there is uh, one of them in Ty Young. I think there's a goaltender of note in the Ontario Hockey League, uh, plays for the Erie Otters, named uh, Nolan Lalonde. But Erie is, you know, they got two games left; they're one point out of a playoff spot in the OHL's Western Conference. So uh, that's uh, not a guarantee that he's going to be available. Personally, I think the team that uh, Hockey Canada—they'd never say this—but if there's a team they're cheering for to not make the playoffs. I'd have to think it's the Swift current Broncos because the Broncos, you can make a pretty good argument for at least five players from uh, Swift uh, to be almost guaranteed to be on this team, including Reed Dick, a goaltender who was at the CHL Top Prospect game. And, uh, you know, coming away from that event was the talk of the game. If the Broncos, who only have one game to go, but they are currently in possession of the final playoff spot, they play Prince Albert, if they win that game, there's a you know a really good chance that they're going to be the team. I think uh, I'd have to pull up the standings again, but uh, that might even get it. Well, it wouldn't be official yet because they got to wait for Regina. The Pats still have three games to go on the weekend. Uh, but let's say the Broncos do miss the playoffs, you're going to have Reed Dick. You're going to have obviously Owen Pickering on the uh, the blue line and a number of forwards. I, I would think you would see Josh Fillman and Matthew Ward for sure. Probably Josh Davies. And I know there's some buzz about Connor Havidson. You'd have to think there's uh, two or three players with the Prince George Cougars as well. So all of these teams, though, still alive. And, man, that worst-case scenario, there could actually be a tiebreaker on Tuesday night. We might have to wait that long until Canada is able to pick their team. And all of that said, I think one of the biggest question marks would be if the Regina Pats don't make it. And right now, I mean, they are, I would say, a long shot to get in because they're going to have to have uh, success uh, this weekend against the Winnipeg Ice in a pair of games. Especially if Swift Current wins their game against Prince Albert, uh, but let's say hypothetically Regina doesn't qualify for the playoffs, Connor Bedard would be eligible to go. But has it, you know, is it a case of been there, done that at this point? I mean, he stood out in the U18s before. It's not actually his draft season yet, so is there anything really for him to gain other than you know some more experience, and another thing to put on your resume? But I think it will be interesting. I don't think it's a guarantee, put it that way. Uh, that Connor Bedard would go play in the World U18s if the Pats don't make the WHL playoffs. If I was betting, I would say that he would, but I don't know that it's a lock. So lots to consider there for uh, Alan Miller and uh, the rest of the management group with Hockey Canada. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. I appreciate all of you tuning in and downloading this week's episode. If you're a patron and you've been listening throughout the week, because all of these interviews are up on the Patreon page, Uh, before the full episodes are released to the general public. Well, thank you for your continued support. Really appreciate that. If you want to become a patron, you go to patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash thepipelineshow. Next week on the program, well, we'll know who uh, is on Team Canada's roster. We'll also know who has qualified for the playoffs in the OHL and the WHL. The AJHL finalists have been determined now. It's going to be Spruce Grove against Brooks. So you might be able to take a a, uh, closer look at that series. And I believe I have uh, Mike Snee from College Hockey Inc. lined up as well. So lots to get to next week. Between now and then, get out and enjoy the long weekend if you uh, can. Watch some junior. I was going to say college hockey, but the college hockey season is all done. Watch some junior playoff hockey. How about that? And then you and I can talk about it next week, right here on The Pipeline Show, which is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Till then, my name's Keith Flaming. See ya.